I was talking to uh, Tom in the back um, uh, before Sunday school today, and I was uh, saying that today is really, this, this Sunday, theme Sunday, one of my favorite uh, Sundays uh, to do here at Wilton Bible Church. It's always uh, exciting uh, to look back over uh, what this last year uh, had in store for us and, and to look forward into the future. I was talking to Tom, he said, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever been a part of a church that had um, a theme Sunday. And uh, where, did, where did you get this? Uh, he didn't ask me that, but maybe you would have that question. Actually, my uh, pastor growing up, my home church, uh, Pastor Eldon Martins, uh, he had a theme almost every year. And uh, so he would put it across. It wasn't quite as colorful. It was normally just black and white with a theme and a verse. And uh, our auditorium was smaller and the roof was much lower and uh, but uh, I remember it was always a big deal. He always made it a big deal, and that uh, was always an exciting time uh, growing up. Matter of fact, some of the themes that they had when I was a teenager, like like Jacob's age or my daughter's age over here, I still remember those themes that we had at Central Baptist Church. And so I hope that these themes uh, do affect us as uh, we think about and meditate on them at a, at, a year's, at, a, at a year's time. Well, let's look back. All right, first of all, let's look back. There's been a lot that has happened in this past year. Matter of fact, uh, I, as I was looking back over my notes, I stood here a year ago and said, it looks like things will be getting back to normal uh, now that we're kind of at the tail end of, of COVID. And uh, as I began to look at my notes, I realized that it was just a couple of weeks after that, that our family and the Lovelace family uh, all caught COVID at the same time. So we had to cancel a service at the beginning of February of last year. And uh, many people this last year caught COVID. Maybe it was you as well, and uh, you survived, and we survived, and uh, praise the Lord. And, and Lord, it, it seems like now, this year, things are about back to normal. I remember that there was that one Super Bowl uh, where there was there was nobody in the stands for that Super Bowl, and uh, or or maybe just like a group, maybe of some first responders, if I remember correctly. But I don't think that's going to be how it is this year because we're pretty much uh, back back to normal uh, these days. And and for some of you, maybe you were thinking, will that ever happen? And uh, here we are um, in 2023. And uh, it looks like uh, that's exactly where we are, that life is, is back to normal, which gave us really a great opportunity uh, to have this theme, which is designed for His glory. And so we were reminded that we have been saved for a purpose, and that's not to stay home and, and watch um, uh, church over your TV or over your phone or computer, that really we are designed to bring God glory uh, within our church, within our families, within our uh, community. And so this was our theme verse uh, last year. And I just want to point out a couple of things uh, that we pointed out about a year ago just to remind us of what our theme was. So here it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we looked at, we really looked really hard at this word workmanship. Because there is this confusion that, that sometimes when we read this verse, 
We think that we are his workmen, like we are employed by God, that we are, uh, God's given us a task, and, and we go out and we do God's task, that God has like hired us by saving us, he has employed us, and therefore we work for him, and that's sometimes how someone might read this verse, for we are his workmen, not his workmanship. So we took some time, and we actually talked about what does it mean to be a workmanship versus a worker or a workman. A workman is more of an employee. A workmanship is actually something that is produced. It is a created good. We could say like it's a fabric. That's actually what this word means. It is a product produced. And so God has created. He has done something in our life, and, and as we continue to, to unravel this, created in Christ Jesus, so we have been saved, so we have been created, we have been saved for good works. And so we have been given physical life, and we have been given spiritual life, and those two things means that God has a purpose for us, because that's the very last part of this verse, that we should, or which God prepared beforehand talking about those good works that we should walk in them. So we were reminded that we are not here by chance. That as we gather today, that we are a part of this community, that we are Christians, that we've been called out of the world to do something for the Lord, and that is not by accident, that God has a purpose behind that. And so what we did at the beginning of, of last year, we actually went back and, and we went back to Genesis and we looked at the original purpose for the creation of mankind being Adam and Eve, the original pur- uh, purpose of Adam and Eve. And, and we recall that the reason why Adam and Eve were originally created was to serve, follow, and obey God. That, that as God created the whole world, and, and I know this has been a whole year ago that, that we looked at this, but when God created the world and he, and he looked out, he said, okay, all of this looks great, but I don't have a man to take care of it. And so it's that the Bible says there in Genesis that God created man and he put him in the garden to take care of the garden. So man's, man's first priority was to serve. And we, sometimes, and, and I think we recalled on this uh, last year about this time, that sometimes we think work, ugh. But uh, work is actually not part of the fall. Work is actually what we were designed to do. Adam and Eve were designed to work prior to the fall. Now, after the fall, the work, work got hard. Now work is ugh. But that's not how it's always been. Matter of fact, it was made good and pure. It was, it was what Adam and Eve were supposed to do prior uh, to the fall. And so we looked at this idea of, of serving the Lord, this idea of designed for his glory. And then we, we connected about halfway through the year, we, we connected this idea of, of serving the Lord designed for good works or designed for his glory with good fruit. We, we partnered those two ideas together, and we took that from something that Jesus Christ said. And so, again, this was something that we touched on halfway through the year, and this is the words of Jesus Christ found in John. It says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And so we looked at this idea, the fact that God chose us, chose me, I chose you. The idea is that if you have like um, a, a bowl of jelly beans, and I think maybe I even I gave this as an, as an illustration, that, that I am not a fan of black jelly beans, though I like jelly beans. And so sometimes, I know, some of you are gasping. Sometimes when I look inside that bowl of jelly beans, I will purposely not pick the black one. And that's actually what Jesus Christ is talking about here, that he has selected, there, there is purpose in design be, behind his choosing, and that he has chose us to bear much fruit, and that fruit should abide. The same idea that we find what, what Paul talks about. So Paul, Paul says we have been saved to do good works. Jesus Christ says we have been saved per, to produce fruit that we should bear that we should go and bear fruit and so we looked at those uh, two ideas uh, together and so we did cover a lot and then at the end of the year we we looked at this idea of of uh, bringing honor to the lord and the only real way that we can bring honor to the lord is if we know who god is and so we began to explore the mighty god that we serve and as we explored uh, that theme we actually took some some ideas from the world, really wrong views of God, and, and we looked at the right view of God based upon God's Word. And so we took, I think it was several months at the end of last year, and we looked at wrong views of God, and then we looked at God from His Word to reveal who He is so that He would be honored and gloried. And so last year was a good year. But what? will we focus on this year? What is our goal this year? And of course, like I say every year, the leadership gets together, the elders and the pastors, we get together and we discuss this. What, what should we do? What should be our theme? What is the direction that we should take for the new year? And so as we thought about it, this is uh, what we came up with. The theme for 2023 be my witnesses, his plan, our purpose, and it's taken from Acts 1.8, which is this. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria until the end of the earth. Be my witnesses, his plan, our purpose. And that's where we want to start today is in Acts chapter 1. And so if you open up your Bible to Acts chapter 1. We're going to start there in verse 6, Acts chapter 1. I'm going to give you an opportunity to stretch your legs. And so if you want to stand up out of respect uh, for God's word, this is Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And this is what the word of God says. It says this, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed for his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who, you, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's go ahead and stop there and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, as we think about this theme, it's not something new that this is really a goal of, of every Christ-centered gospel preaching church. To really be a witness in their community, to be a witness to their friends, to be a witness to their families, to be a witness in their state, in their country, but not only that, to send missionaries all around the world. And so, Lord, as we stop and we think about this idea of be my witness, God's plan, our purpose, we pray that you would use this refocusing, this, this desire to uh, once again point to one of the goals, one of the, the fundamental goals of our church, which is to fulfill that great commission to go out and make disciples. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use this theme as you see fit in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we think about personal uh, or evangelism or personal evangelism, of course, this is not anything new um, here at Wilton Bible Church. And so, uh, this should not be a surprise. You should be like, whoa, I've never thought about uh, this, uh, this idea of be my witnesses, his plan, our pur- purpose. Never thought about that, of course. Um, it is the goal of many churches uh, to, to evangelize, to, to reach the lost, to spread the gospel around the world. Matter of fact, this is our mission. This is the mission of, of Wilton Bible Church. This comes right off of our website. This is what we put in place as a leadership um, a long time ago. And this is our mission. It says this, our mission is to provide a place to fulfill the Great Commission while providing a place where Christians can grow together under the preaching of God's Word. We believe that the gospel changes lives at the moment of conversion and continues to change lives as we grow in Christ. And that's one of the reasons why every service we start off with where the gospel changes lives. I don't have a bulletin right here, but I'm sure it is right on the front of our bulletin as well. Wilton Bible Church, where the gospel changes lives, because that's what we believe. That we are here to accomplish God's will, to be witnesses for him, to share that good news, to see the great commission accomplished, but also to grow in the word. Matter of fact, as you leave today, you'll see those two same ideas right in our foyer. You've probably walked by them a number of times. Uh, Right there in our foyer, it shows our two themes. It says, welcome home, and it has that middle banner, and then that two side banners reaching our community and, and really discipling 
allowing us to grow up or, or uh, grow in the Lord. And so those two themes are the, the two main themes of our church. And so this is not a new theme. Instead, really, this is a refocusing of a thing that we've already had. And it's a good theme to refocus on. Matter of fact, as Pastor Peter and I were uh, in my office and we were kind of going through things and thinking about this theme, we were thinking, well, you know what, we haven't done this and maybe we should do that. And yeah, we've really been missing that. We should go ahead and move forward with that as well. So it's not a new theme, but this theme this year will help us to refocus a theme that's always been present here at Wilson Bible Church. And so with the remainder of our time, we do want to look at that passage that we read today, the ascension of, of Christ and, and his last words before he ascended into heaven. And, and, and first of all, we want to notice the very first thing that happens in this account is in verse 6, the kingdom question, the kingdom question. And so notice what his, his disciples ask. So when they come together, they ask him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And so their question actually reveals some truth to us. What, why, why ask that question? And so their question actually reveals some truth to us. And, and to understand that truth, we actually need to go back to the Old Testament. And so one of the things that we looked at during the Christmas time is we looked at the fact that the Christmas story fulfilled promises set forth in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, we talked about one of those promises was the Davidic covenant. So the Davidic covenant was, if you remember, that uh, David went to God and he looked around, remember, and he said, you know what, I have this nice house, and yet we still worship God in a tent. What I'm going to do, Lord, is I'm going to build you a house. And remember what God's reply was? No, David, I'm going to build you a a house. You're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. So David, I believe, out of, a, out of a right heart, he wants to worship the Lord, says, I'm going to build you a nice house, a nice temple. God says, no, David, I'm going to build you a house. And what did God mean by that? He meant a dynasty, a kingdom. And so we're reminded here, and this is one of the verses that we looked at. This is 2 Samuel 7.16, and this is what God tells uh, David. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be, an, uh, 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 shall be established forever. And so this kingdom that goes on and on and on. And that promise made to David affected the Old Testament. We, we see it come up several times, this, this idea of a Messiah, God's promised king that would come from David. Let me give you a couple of illustrations of when it came back up. This is Isaiah 11.1. 1. So Isaiah says this, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. A branch from his root shall bear fruit. Now, who are we referring to? We're referring to the Messiah. And who is the Messiah? Well, that's Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah writes about this promise given to David. And then it also comes up in, in Jeremiah. So this is Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord 
when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Again, pointing to that promised Messiah, that promise that was given to David. And so this, this promise that was given to David really affected the, the Old Testament. They were waiting for that promised Messiah. And so the Messiah comes, Jesus Christ comes, and, and they're, the, the question that they ask says this. They recognize Jesus as the promised Messiah. They recognize Jesus as God's promised king. But even more than that, so Jesus Christ, if you remember, Jesus Christ was taken, he was beaten, he was hung on the cross, and he died. He was buried in a tomb, but he didn't stay dead, for he rose again. And so here he is talking to the disciples, and no doubt this is what is going through the disciples' heads. Jesus Christ truly is the resurrection and the life. There is no power on earth that can overthrow us when we're with Jesus. For no battle will ever be lost, for he has the power to bring the dead to life. And so here, this is why they ask this question. After everything that has happened, he has died, he has come back to life. In their minds, they realize the religious leaders couldn't kill him. The Romans couldn't kill him. He is alive again. There is no one that can overthrow him. So they ask this question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? No doubt they're looking at all the information they have, and they're saying to themselves, this looks perfect. This cannot go wrong. When we have Jesus on our side, and he has the power to raise people from the dead, and he himself was risen from the dead, there's no way that we can lose this. God's kingdom will be set up. And so they ask the question, is it now? And of course, Jesus' reply to them is not the answer that they were thinking of. They were really hoping that as they kind of looked at all the facts in front of them, they thought this is the perfect time. But Jesus' reply is a little bit different, and this is really what Jesus' reply is. God's kingdom is planned. It's already planned. So, so disciples, don't worry about the timing. God already has that plan. And we see that in the very next verse in his answer to the disciples. And he says this. He says to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed for his own authority. Now, I need to point out a couple of things here. First of all, who are we talking to? It is not for you to know. All right? He's talking to the disciples here as as disciples are there, and, and they are talking to Jesus, and they're wondering, is, is now the time? And, and he says, you know what, it's, it's not really for you to know. And then he uses two words, which are very similar, but a little bit different. And so he uses times, and he uses seasons. Now, that times means like a, an, 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 a, an amount of time, or we could say like a like an age, let's see here, I'm looking at my notes here, make sure I get the right words here. Times is a duration of times. Season refers 
to both a duration and a kind of time. Now, now what do you mean by a kind of time? Well, for instance, uh, sometimes there is opening times and there is closing times. And so what Jesus Christ is saying is, is he uses times and he uses seasons, times as a duration of time and seasons as a type of time. And so it's not simply a duration, but also speaks of a certain type of time. Like sometimes we say, how was your day today? And we say, I had a good day or I had a bad day. And so what we're saying is that day was, there was a difference. Yeah, that day talks about a duration of time, but it also talks about the the type of day that we have. So that's what Christ is referring to when he says to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons, and then notice what he says here, that the Father has fixed for his own authority. Now that fixed is the idea of of planned, that, that idea of like laid out. That Jesus' reply is, don't worry, don't worry guys, it will happen. God will set up his kingdom on earth. That will happen. But in his reply, he says this, but it's not today. It's not today. But don't worry, because God has everything already fixed. That is put in place. That is laid in place. God already has everything worked out. Don't worry about that. God is in control. That's what he says. That's his answer. Don't worry about that. God's in control. That's a God thing. And so sometimes people ask, well, when will? When will Christ return? When will Christ return? Sometimes I get that, that question as, as a pastor. Maybe you have, have even had that same question. When will Christ uh, return? And I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you the answer today. All right. And so uh, there is nothing that needs to happen between now and when Jesus, well, the thing that needs to happen, rather, what starts really the end times is the rapture of the church. Now, when will the rapture of the church happen? I don't know. The Bible says that it'll come like a thief in the night, that that we'll be going along doing our our normal everyday tasks, and and then it will happen. I can tell you this, though. The rapture didn't happen last year. That means that it could happen this year. You know, our theme, we don't have the theme up there anymore. I keep looking over here because I'm so used to it. We could be thinking about the theme all year long, and we may not make it to the end of 2023 because God takes the church home. That's the promise that is given at the end of, of what we read here. The idea that Christ will one day return, that's what the two men in white apparel say. That just as you saw him leave, he will return. And so really the very the, the next thing that happened is really the rapture of the church. And when will the rapture of the church happen? I don't know. But I do know this, and, and this should be a reminder to us that every day that passes by is a day closer to the Lord's return. And if I could illustrate it this way. Our family enjoys doing 
jigsaw puzzles. So we enjoy doing puzzles. Matter of fact, we have a puzzle right now spread out in our living room. And, and we, we enjoy doing that. And um, normally on the box, it'll tell you how many pieces it has. Um, sometimes we do 500, 750, 1,000. My, my daughter, Aubrey, who's eight years old, she got the one that's 2,000. She said, we always finish them too quickly. I'm like, I don't know if we're ever going to finish that one, uh, but we haven't started that one yet. That's going to be uh, quite a challenge uh, for our family. But think about, think about it this way as we think about when will the Lord return? That really every day that passes by, it's like another piece added to the puzzle. Now, how many puzzles are in the, in the box? How many puzzle pieces in the box? I don't know. But I do know this, that one day the puzzle will be complete. The last piece will be uh, put into that puzzle. And that last piece could be this year. You know, Israel, they waited a long time for the Messiah to come. They waited a long time for Jesus Christ to come. As the church, we're waiting for his second coming. We're waiting for the rapture. We're waiting for the second coming. The rapture of the church will really set in place the end times and will come about, uh, the, the end of that will come about uh, Christ's reign here on earth, his second coming. And so when will Christ return? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that there is nothing that needs to happen between now and then between uh, now and the rapture of the church, uh, which will, will start that in time. And so uh, today, as we, as we think about those points, if you're taking notes, number one, that kingdom question the disciples asked, well, when will you set up the kingdom? Jesus' reply was, don't worry about that. God's kingdom is already planned. And number three today, God's plan for the church. God has a plan for the church. And, and so Jesus Christ he, he really, and you notice it starts with that, but you, he, he's really kind of like saying, okay, I know you're focused on this, but let's shift the conversation away from what God's going to do, and let's shift it towards you. And so he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria, I mean in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I believe that there is an idea here that God already has a plan for that second coming, but that he is equipping us. And so notice, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, the disciples, uh, Jesus Christ told them just prior to this, he said, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to go back and you're going to wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And, of course, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. They were able to do some amazing, amazing things, uh, things that we just are not able to do today, some of those sign gifts. But we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come like the disciples did. Jesus Christ said that, notice, that you will receive, that is past tense, that or a future tense that you will receive, but really as Christians, we already have the Holy Spirit inside of us. God has already empowered us to serve Him, empowered us to be His witnesses. And I should tell you that 
right here, this, this idea of uh, you will be my witnesses. Let me change the, the color here just to highlight it. You will be my witnesses. The Bible scholars, they, they debate this question. Is this a command or is this a matter of fact? Now, when we look at the, the book of Acts, we know that this is a matter of fact. All right? Who were the witnesses? It was the, 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 the disciples. And, and where did, this almost gives us kind of like the outline of the book of Acts because they started in Jerusalem and then they went into Judea and then Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. That's, that's kind of the outline of Acts. That's how it's broken down. And so when some scholars, they look at this, they say, this is just a matter of fact. What Jesus Christ was saying is, I already know the future. And you are going to be my witnesses, and this is how it's going to happen. This is a matter of fact. It's already in place because God's in control. And there's a second idea here that's, that's also debated, which is this is a command. Now, I, I believe that it is both a command and a matter of fact. You cannot deny it's a matter of fact. But here later on, this is what the disciples say. And so this is Acts 10, 42. And so notice what he says. And he, that is Christ, all right? So when you say he, that is Christ. Christ commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And so uh, here this writer says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. That word testify is the same idea as witness. Matter of fact, uh, if you think about a courtroom setting, you could call the person that, that is giving an account a witness, and what they're saying is their testimony. They're testifying on a part of what they saw. And so later on here in Acts, it's brought up that he has commanded us, us being the disciples there, followers of Jesus Christ, that he has commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. And so this is a matter of fact. This is exactly what happened. His disciples became witnesses. But I also believe this was a direction in accordance with God's will, that God already had this all planned, that God was going to accomplish great things. So let's look at here, Ephesians chapter 6. This is how Paul puts it, and he says this, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. For also for me, the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the, ministry, the mystery of the gospel. And so Paul saw himself as, as an instrument, and, and really Christ gave him uh, that job to go and preach to the Gentiles. And then he says this, for which I am an ambassador in chains. And that's what I want to focus on is, is his words here, that he calls himself an ambassador of Christ. I'm an ambassador in chains. Paul saw himself as one who was willing to give the gospel even if that landed him in jail. As a matter of fact, when he's in jail, that didn't prevent him from giving the gospel. He just gave the gospel in jail and, and anywhere, that, any, any places that he could. 
And so we're familiar maybe with this idea that evangelists and pastors and, and Paul, that he was an ambassador, an ambassador in change, that he boldly declared the gospel. But Paul doesn't just refer to himself as an ambassador. He also refers to the church, us, Christians, that have the Holy Spirit within us, believers. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. And this comes up in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you want to turn there, and uh, we're, we're almost done this morning. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is what Paul says. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so Paul says this. He says, you know what? You've been saved for a purpose. You've been reconciled. What is, what is the idea of reconciled? Well, the, the idea of reconciled, that is when you bring two parties together. They're, they're reconciled. They're, there is some conflict that has separated them. And when you reconcile them, you bring them back together. So sometimes, maybe like during marital counseling, there is strife between two spouses and there needs to be reconciliation that a relationship be put back together. And so they bring someone to help them put that back together. Well, Paul says that if you've been saved, that you have been given a ministry of reconciliation. And so it's all of our ministry. It's not just evangelists. It's not just pastors. It's everyone who has been saved. Notice all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us. It's not just reconciled me to himself, but reconciled us. That is all of us that have been reconciled and gave us. Again, that is not just me, Paul says, but all of us the ministry of reconciliation. And so what does that ministry of reconciliation mean? Well, that is... That man's relationship with God has been broken because of sin. That, that God has created man for his glory, but sin broke that relationship. But we hold the gospel. And that gospel is able to bring that relationship back together. That's the idea of the ministry of reconciliation. It is reconciling God's creation, mankind, with its creator, God. Now, do we do the reconciliation? Like, do we get people saved? We don't force people to get saved, but instead we share that good news. And that comes up in the very next verse. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. And so it is really Christ who reconciles, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, notice, the message of reconciliation. That is the gospel message. That is the fact that Jesus Christ, he came and he lived under the law in our place. He was completely holy. And he died in our place. He took upon himself 
God's wrath for our sin. And then he came back to life, showing his power over death, and also showing us who he was, and that one day we will have a resurrection. And so Jesus Christ lived in our place. He died in our place, and he rose again. He's entrusted that message of reconciliation. And then notice that in very next verse, in verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors. Not just Paul. Paul calls himself an ambassador because he was called by God, he was saved, and he was commissioned by Jesus Christ. He's an ambassador. But what Paul brings up is that if you're a Christian here today, that God has a purpose for you as well. That God has called you. Remember that idea of he has pulled you out of that bowl of jelly beans. He has chosen you and one of the reasons why he has chosen you is to share that message of reconciliation that we might be ambassadors because to be honest there might be many people who will never read the word of god people that we we come in contact at work there's going to be people in our community they will never come into this church but the way that we live in front of our community, the way that we live in front of our coworkers, the way that we live in front of our family is going to be showing them who God is. And so we have been given that message of reconciliation, that we are his ambassadors, that people see God through us. And that's one of the very important reasons that Christians should live like Christians. First, to bring God glory, but second of all, not to dishonor the God that we serve. And so, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So, Paul calls us ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. And so we all who believe. All right, let's go ahead and come to an end today. And as we close today, some things to consider if you're a Christian. First of all, the first thing to consider is that God's in control of his kingdom. All right, so we, we don't have to worry about, uh, sometimes Christians get caught up like, well, like who's saved, who's not saved, or I should say who's chosen, who's not chosen. Don't get caught up all in that. All right, I don't think Paul, Paul, Paul talked a lot about that, that whole thing, but I don't think he ever got caught up. He went and he, he took the gospel everywhere. Matter of fact, even though Jesus Christ said, take the gospel to the Gentiles, you know where he always started? He started with the Jews because he wanted to sow the gospel everywhere. All right, even though he believed in the sovereignty of God, that did not prevent him from sharing the gospel with people he came in contact with. And so, first of all, we need to realize that God's kingdom is under his control. All right? Those things, God's taking care of that. The second thing that we need to know is that God has given us power through the Holy Spirit. That God has given us a message and that he empowers Christians. It's so surprising to me that sometimes when I begin to talk to people and 
there are verses, and I'm sure this has happened to you if you've ever, if ever shared the gospel. There is times where I haven't thought about verses in a long time. And someone will start asking me questions, well, what about this? And all of a sudden, God will bring to mind something that I memorized when I was in Awana as a young person. And I'll be able to quote that verse. Or go, you know, there is that verse, and, and, it, and it has these words, and, oh, hold on, let me grab my phone, and, and let me just Google it real quick. And, yes, let me read this to you. It's so surprising to me the way that Things come up that I haven't thought about forever. And, and what do I say that that is? I think that's the Holy Spirit working through me to communicate his word. Now, am I perfect in communicating the gospel? Is anybody perfect in communicating the gospel? Well, I, I don't think so. And this is the reason why. Because there's evangelists that they do it every single day. Or not every single day, but every single week. And there are people that need to get saved, and they, they have it down to a T. They know the illustrations, they know the verses, they know everything. And those people, they come and they leave. But you know, sometimes it's just a Christian like you that shares that hope that they have, and that person gets saved, not through the words of the evangelist, but just through a person at a church who loves the Lord. And, and they began to go, you know what? There is something different about that person. I want what they have. And so really, it's God working behind the scenes. We simply communicate the gospel, and God uses that to change hearts and lives. And so really, we can't save anyone. We simply communicate that gospel truth and so uh a couple of things to think about first of all his god's in control of his kingdom second of all we are empowered by the holy spirit and third we the church are part of god's perfect plan to reconcile believers to himself god has chosen us god has chosen us in his plan and so genuine christians want to share their faith but sometimes the reason why we don't share our faith is because we're scared. Sometimes we're afraid we don't know how. Sometimes we're afraid that we're going to mess it up. And we shouldn't be worried about messing it up. Realize that the Lord is going to use our words, whether or not we give them part of the gospel, the whole gospel, or whether we give them part of the gospel and maybe part of our own philosophy. Now, don't preach your own philosophy of the gospel, all right? Someone was... Um, I, uh, next Sunday we're going to have a, um, a, a bookmark uh, with a theme on it, not, not, uh, not this week, but uh, next week. On the back of your, of your um, bookmark, we'll actually have uh, the gospel. And so uh, as I began to kind of think about, well, how would I, how would I share the gospel? Uh, I was raised in giving Roman, the Romans road. So I was saved to the Romans road. Uh, that is the way that we were equipped as or discipled as believers in my church growing up was the Romans road. But not everyone thinks that the Romans road is, is the best uh, form of the gospel. And, and so I wanted to kind of tailor it, not copy it, but kind of get some other ideas. And, but I didn't want to copy anyone. And so I was talking to someone in the office, and they said, well, so is it like new? And I said, no, no, 
I'm not making a new gospel. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm using a tried and true method, and, uh, which is uh, from the Word of God. And so next Sunday, you'll have kind of a help because sometimes uh, we are concerned. Oh, well, what if they ask me a question or I could get them to this point? Hey, you're a sinner because we all agree we make mistakes, but where do I, where do I take them afterwards? And so uh, there on that bookmark, it'll be something that you can hand out uh, to people. You say, hey, here, why don't you take this and read it? Or something you could just leave in your Bible. And then if you're talking to someone, you could say, hey, that's a great question. Let me share with you that good news. Something else that we're going to do this next year is we're actually going to have an opportunity where we learn how to share the gospel. Again, because I think, I think as genu- genuine Christians, we want to share the gospel Sometimes we just don't feel equipped to share the gospel. And so if you're someone here and you say, I just don't feel equipped to share the gospel, uh, we want to fix that uh, this year. And so again, one of our desires here at Wilson Bible Church, one of our, our missions, it's in our constitution, it's on our website, it's in the foyer, is to fulfill the Great Commission. And the only way that we can do that is if we equip you as believers to be able to share your faith. And so that's what we're going to be doing this year as well is uh, giving you that, the tools you need uh, to share your faith. But one last thing, two things we want to focus on, one Christians, but one last thing, which is this. Paul says this, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What Paul means here, when he says I implore you, he says, I beg you, I beg you. And so maybe you're here today, and, and maybe you have never put your faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're thinking about something else. Maybe it's the way you were raised. Maybe the church that you were attended. Maybe it's because you were baptized. And, and so you say, well, you know, because I was baptized, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. But really, that's not the right place to place our hope. It's really in that message of reconciliation. It is through Christ. Again, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, because this is the truth. We do not have a promise on tomorrow. We don't know what the rest of this year is going to look like. And as we said, the Lord could very well return this year. Those pieces are being placed And one day that last piece will be placed down. And it could be at the end of this year. It could be at the end of this month. It could be at the end of this week. But if it was at the end of this week, would you be ready? Would you be part of the church? Would you be called to meet Christ in the air? Or would you go through that tribulation time? That time's not going to be easy. It's going to be very, very difficult. And so Paul, as he, as he thought about uh, the gospel, he says, it is so important. I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you don't know, we would love to share with you how you can know that you have eternal life. And the Bible does say you can know that you have eternal life. So we'd love to share with you that hope that we have. And so our theme for this year, be my witnesses. His plan, our purpose, 
you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you. First of all, we thank you for Christ that makes this all possible. The reason why we are gathered today is, is really to glorify you, that, that there is no way that we can be saved, there's no way that we can see people get saved through the message of, of the gospel or the message of reconciliation unless Jesus Christ came and lived under the law and died in our place and rose again. And so all of this that we have today, Lord, is not because of us. It's, it's not because we're good people, but it's because of your grace. It's because of your spirit, which is changing us from the inside out. And so, Lord, as, as we think about the gospel, we come in contact with people all the time in our community. And sometimes, sometimes we keep to ourselves. Sometimes we don't want to make waves. And so sometimes we don't share the hope that we have. But Lord, this year with our theme, I pray that you'll help us to be shining lights in our community. May Wilton Bible Church, may Wilton Christian School be a shining light of the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. May our lives truly be different. As, as we often say here at Wilton Bible Church, where the gospel changes lives, not only that the gospel changes life when someone comes from death to life, but God, the gospel continues to change our lives as Christians because of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we do pray that you would give us boldness and grace that we might share that good news. Lord, we, meet, we pray you'd meet the need today in Jesus' name. Amen.